Well, this morning we're going to talk about a statement that is found in Acts chapter 14, and that statement is that through many hardships, we've been looking at the book of Acts in this second section of it, the second half of, of the book, and the, the picture of Paul and Barnabas as they have been going about in various areas teaching the gospel. They have been designated to do so. Chapter 13 told us that they will come into a city and they will teach in a Jewish synagogue, proclaiming that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises, setting people free and forgiving them for all that they could not be freed from regarding the law of Moses. And as Acts chapter 14 opens, you have now Paul and Barnabas moving into more cities. At the end of chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas had to leave Antioch because a great persecution was beginning to form against them. They come into the city of Iconium and it looks like things are going to go well. In verse 1, we're told that a great number of both the Jews and the Greeks believe. But in verse 2, it says that when the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned the minds against the brothers. And that, I would love to, if we had time to just spend time thinking about that imagery, is that here Paul and Barnabas are able to have many Jews and Gentiles come and believe hearing the gospel. And then it says that the opposition comes from the other city and poisons the minds of these people and turn them against the Christians. And notice then that it goes on that the city then becomes divided as Paul and Barnabas are preaching. Verse four says the people of the city were divided, some siding with the Jews and the others with the apostles. In verse five, when the attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with the rulers to mistreat and stone them, they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian towns of Lystra and Derby and the surrounding countryside. And so what starts off wonderfully with many people believing now a plan is put together that they are going to harm Paul and Barnabas. The plan is even devised to stone them to death, but they get word of it and they go on to the next city. In verse eight, they come into the city of Lystra and there is a man there who is lame. He is lame from birth. He's never walked. Verse 9 tells us he's listening to Paul also. And Paul then, seeing that he has faith to be healed, says in verse 10, Stand up on your feet. And he jumped up and began to walk around. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form, Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priests of Zeus, where the temple was just outside the town, brought bulls and wreaths into the gates because he intended with the crowds to offer sacrifices. So imagine just the city just blowing up with excitement. Paul and Barnabas, they are gods who have come down from the sky, from heaven. And they begin to pull out the animals and they're about to start offering sacrifices. The town is in a frenzy in their reception of them. And once the apostles understand this, verse 14, we're told the apostles Paul and Barnabas tear their robes when they heard this and rushed into the crowd shouting, 
people, we, why are you doing these things? We are people also just like you. And we are proclaiming good news to you that you turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens, the earth, the sea and everything in them in the past generations. He allowed all the nations to go their own way, although he did not leave them without a witness, since he did what was good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. And even though they had said these things, they barely stopped the crowds from sacrificing to them. It's an amazing scene as the the city just explodes in this excitement and Paul and Barnabas, aware of what they are doing, run into the crowds and tear their robes. We are humans just like you. You cannot dare treat us in this way. We are not gods who have come down from heaven. But then I want you to notice what they begin to preach. And you'll notice it says here in verse 15, he says there that we are proclaiming the good news to you. And I want you to notice two aspects of what this good news proclamation looked like. First was this, he says in verse 15, where he says, we are proclaiming good news to you that you turn from these worthless things and to the living God who made all things. It's an interesting picture, the way he presents what the gospel is. The gospel is this powerful message where he tells them, you don't need to worship the created. You don't worship earth or sky or heaven or false gods or this pantheon that the Romans and the Greeks had. All these things are simply created. And one of the key things that I think you see that the Apostle Paul communicated when he proclaimed the message of God is that there is hope in the fact that we do not rely on, devote ourselves or put our hope in the created. He calls all that worthless. He says, the good news is this. To turn from worthless, useless, the futile things of this world and to turn to the living God. This is a huge part of what the message is and what is the message of hope in talking about what God is trying to offer to people is that you would no longer try to find your hope in any created thing because the creation doesn't satisfy. Try as we might to try to find our hope, our value, our happiness, our satisfaction in the created things. Here's the message of the Apostle Paul. Here's the good news to you, that you would turn from that idea. You don't devote yourself to those kinds of things, but rather to the living God who created those things because only God is able to satisfy. Only God is able to help. The created cannot satisfy. In fact, he points out even further the strength of that when he says in verse 17, God did not leave uh, himself without a witness. And notice the picture. Verse 17, since he did what is good in giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Here's what God is trying to say. God has given you these things. He has done good to you. He has shown you his kindness. 
in all creation. He uses the imagery here of everything that sustains rain from heaven, fruitful seasons, filling you with food, hearts with joy. I've given all of you those things. And the very message is that God created these things for your enjoyment. Not that you would praise the creation or the created things or try to find your hope and value and satisfaction in them. But that all of those things would point to the creator. It's such a terrible mistake that happens. Where we enjoy the things of this life and we enjoy the physical and we have all these blessings and we are richly blessed by God. And then what we do is we turn our attention and our devotion to the worthless things. Rather than seeing that these things are given to us by God for our enjoyment. So that we wouldn't praise those things but that we would praise God. And it's such an easy transition, an easy miss. And, and that's the point that you have the Apostle Paul trying to, to, to make is it is in this way that God is trying to show you and I that he is the all satisfying God. God gives all of these things so that you would see he is the answer. He is the joy. He is the satisfaction because he made it. It's not in the stuff. But in him. And so part of this proclamation of good news is don't go to the worthless things to try to find your hope. Don't try to find your value and try to find your success or your satisfaction in your job and in your stuff and in your wealth and in other things that are all in this world. The world says all of that's going to make you happy and you've lived long enough to try and you know that it doesn't work. All of those things are intended to point you to the God who gave those things to you. And so he tells them, all of this is pointing to God. Now, what is interesting about Acts 14 and how this chapter frames up is after making this proclamation of don't put your hope in this world. Don't put your hope in stuff and things. It's not going to satisfy There is a dramatic turning of the tide that now happens in the rest of this chapter. It was uh, foreshadowed almost as you see the persecution arising in chapter 13 against Paul and Barnabas. At the beginning of chapter 14, we see that in, in, uh, in Iconium, they are preparing to stone and persecute Paul and Barnabas, and they escape it with just by the skin of their teeth as they leave. But then I want you to notice after you have this scene in verse 18, that they can barely restrain the city from worshiping them as gods that have come down from heaven and barely stop them from sacrificing. Verse 19, some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. And when they won over the crowds... They stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. I've always found that to be such a chilling verse. It is amazing how God can be so succinct about things that are so traumatic. You know, when you read in the Gospels, it's such a simple phrase. And they crucified Jesus. And there is so much involved in what that meant. 
And I want you to think about this scene for a minute. Is here is a city who has gone from accepting Paul and Barnabas. They want to offer sacrifices to them. And then the opposition from the prior cities come into Lystra. And they turn the opinion of the crowd against Paul and Barnabas to such a degree that we are simply told they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. And I just want you for a minute just to conjure that in your mind. What do you think that looked like? And what condition was Paul in that the crowd believed he was dead? What does he look like at that moment as he's dragged out of the city? It's pretty horrifying, the imagery of what the Mishnah describes of how a Jewish stoning was to go. You put them in a, knock them down in a place that was lower than you. You'd cast this first large stone. The Mishnah says if that didn't kill them, then the next witness would come and take another stone. And if that one didn't do it, then all of the witnesses and all the people who were there would then all take up their stones and stone the individual. He's left in such a condition that they believe he's dead. They drag him outside of the city. And notice verse 20. When the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went into the city. I think that'd be the last place I'd go. The last place I would go would be one, guys, I'm going to stay down for a while. And two, I'm never going back in there again. He gets up and goes back into the city. It is an amazing picture of that these apostles do not stop, they do not quit. They get up, they go back into the city. If this is my biography, the next line is saying, and I took the next ship back to Antioch and I retired and I was done and I had the bruises and the marks and the broken bones to prove it. And I'm out, it's somebody else's turn. Somebody younger than me can handle that, I'm done. It says in verse 20, and then the next day, they went to the next city. They went to Derby. They're not going to stop. If that were not enough, please read verse 21. And after they had preached the gospel in that town, Derby, and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra. Lystra, the city that Paul was just stoned and drugged out, dragged out of the city for. They returned to Iconium. The reason they left Iconium was because they were about to stone Paul and Barnabas, and they heard about it just in time and left the city. In verse 21, they went back to Antioch. At the end of chapter 13, they left Antioch because the persecution was forming against them. They go back into the very towns and cities that the people were trying to kill them. And the reason why they wanted to do that is that they wanted, verse 22, to strengthen the disciples and encourage them to continue in the faith. What are you going to say to those disciples at that moment? You have your visual of what Paul may have looked like after being stoned and left for dead and dragged out of the city. 
And now Paul and Barnabas come walking back into Lystra to meet with the Christians and back into Iconium to meet with the Christians and back into Antioch to meet with the Christians. And the reason they're there is because it says that they want to strengthen them and encourage them to continue in the faith. What are you going to tell them that is going to strengthen them to continue in the faith? What are you going to say to them? Especially as I try to imagine Paul, who has to be at minimum bruised up, if not some broken bone somewhere on him. He must look haggard at this point after what's happened to him. What are you going to say to encourage them in the faith? Look at the end of verse 22. Here's what they said. It is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time when I first read that to think, and that was encouraging? (laughs) How how is that encouraging? And they come walking back in, and here's Paul, and he's beat up, and he's hurting from the stoning that took place in Lister, and he comes back into the city, And here's what he wants to tell them. It is necessary. We must go through hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Why is that encouraging? I don't want to hear that message. I want to hear the Apostle Paul say, don't worry about that. That's really unusual. That's really rare. That's not usually how things go. Don't expect that. You're going to be fine. I'd be like, I am encouraged. Thank you. For encouraging me to know that what happened to you, Paul, is a little strange. It's a little off. It's it's, it's just a one-off. It's not going to happen again. No, rather the message is, it is necessary. To enter the kingdom of God, we must go through these hardships. And I hope that you think about that for a moment as I had you asking yourself, why would that be encouraging? And here's why I believe this is an encouragement to them and to us. Because the point Paul wants to make to them is that when that happened, nothing went wrong. That wasn't a mistake. That wasn't some anomaly. That wasn't strange. That's the way it is. I think that's an important thing to keep in mind because in our human bodies, pain equals a mistake. Touch a hot burner, pain, that was a mistake. (laughs) Ride waves in the ocean, break a toe, mistake. Oops. Pain equals mistake. I mean, that's just, if you cause pain, you did something wrong. That's just the way it is. That's the whole point of the pain sensors. When they stop what you're doing, you're doing something wrong. And it is easy to take that mentality and bring that into Christianity and say, when we experience pain and hardship, we must be doing something wrong. And Paul walks in with a busted body and says, nothing went wrong. 
It's through many hardships that we enter the kingdom of God. This pain is not a mistake. Paul, you should have just said something a little different. You know, if you would have just smoothed it out, eased it out, been a little more PC, something like that. If Paul doesn't come in and go, you know, I learned something critical about how not to preach. That's not what he says. He says, we must go through this. It is through many of these hardships and difficulties that we enter the kingdom of God. Nothing went wrong. And in each city, there is great opposition. And yet the mission must continue. And I want us just to focus in on this one idea about how we must enter the kingdom of God through many hardships. Because I think as 21st century American Christians... We have the tendency to think that we will enter the kingdom of God through ease and comfort. And it all should just be smooth sailing. That it should never be hard. It should never be painful. It should never be difficult. And we certainly shouldn't have rejection and opposition. And I want you to hear the message of the Apostle Paul where he's saying... No, that's exactly what it is. And the reason why I believe this is couched together in chapter 14 in this way is important. Because when we face opposition, when serving God gets hard, when it becomes difficult, when people stand against us, when those hardships come upon us, our tendency can be to go back to the worthless things. And put our hope in that. This whole God thing is not working out. It's hard. It's difficult. There's resistance. There's pain. And so I'll go back to the worthless things. And I'll just devote my life to my job or my money. I'll try to find my happiness and sexual immorality. I'll just go seeking after those things. Because the pain in life must be telling me that serving God is wrong. That's just how we function. If serving God is hard, then that must not be right. If it's painful to serve God and I go through hardships and and, and difficulties, well, that must not be right. So I guess I'll try something else. I'll try the worthless things of the world. And that will make me happy. And I just want us to retract from that and realize how often God is trying to tell us. Is that to be a servant of his can be really painful. And you are going to go through hardships. It's not an if. It's a win. It's going to be hard. You are going to have resistance. People are going to challenge your faith. People are going to make your life difficult. Thank God we haven't had to go through anything like what the Apostle Paul did. Because if I was stoned and dragged out of a city, I would certainly question my life decision. Is this right? And you can imagine what these Christians may be thinking. 
Paul gets stoned and dragged out of the city. Is this really the path I'm supposed to be taking? Is this what I should expect? Is this the kind of resistance that's going to happen against the people of God? And so Paul comes in and says, I want to strengthen you and encourage you. And I know you have questions about just how I looked and what just happened to me. And here's the answer. Yes. Through many hardships, you will enter the kingdom of God. Yes, it will be painful. It will be painful physically, emotionally, spiritually. It's going to be tough. And one of the questions I would like for you just to contemplate this morning is is just simply this. Should be plural. How many hardships? Will you experience to enter the kingdom of God? How many hardships are you willing to face to enter the kingdom of God? What hardship would you encounter that you would say, no, that's too much. That's too hard. That's too difficult. How much resistance are you willing to face Before you would no longer to continue in the faith. You can see that this is Paul's concern. Why would he be so concerned and so focused on needing to see these Christians and encourage them so that they will continue in the faith and strengthen them? Because resistance and opposition and pain cause us to quit on God. They just flat out make you quit. And Paul is saying, don't quit. Don't give up just because you enter hardships. Don't give up because things get difficult. Instead, draw closer to God. I want you to pay attention to the fact that Jesus actually said that this was going to happen. I'm going to highlight it in a passage that we know pretty well if you grew up in the pews but probably haven't thought about one particular word in what he said. Matthew seven thirteen. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And there, those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and let me slow down on this. And the way is hard. I want that to say, so the gate is wide and the way is hard that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many and the gate is narrow, but the way is easy to enter into the narrow. Jesus was up front, Sermon on the Mount, first recorded sermon we have of Jesus. You want to follow me? Here's what I want you to know. It's a really narrow path. And to walk that path is really hard. And few are going to walk it. And that's what Paul is trying to tell these Christians. This is what he wants to encourage them. Is that it is through difficulties. It is through hardships that we enter the kingdom of God. And I would like to underscore this in your mind this morning. What you are going through in this life because of your service and dedication and devotion to God 
does not mean that something's gone wrong. What you are going through and the hardships you have because you are serving God does not mean that something's gone wrong. It is through many hardships that we will enter the kingdom of God. And that's why Paul had to run around and tell everybody that. Because our first reaction can be, let's go back to the created. Let's go back to the worthless things. Let's drown our sorrows in the stuff. Rather than staying focused on serving God. And so whether it be your friends. Or whether it be your family. Or whether it be the government or culture that stands against you in your faith. We must continue in the faith because this is the path that God has given us and it's the path to life in the kingdom of God. I read verse verse 20 or verse 19 and I'm always just blown away by those two, two sentences there. Stone and left for dead after being dragged out of the city. And he got back up and went back in the city. That is some faith. And that is some courage. And that is truly believing that it is through many hardships that we enter the kingdom of God. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father. Lord, our flesh desires for the path to following you to be easy. And Lord, we can often feel like that as we serve you and things are hard and painful, that something's gone wrong or that maybe we're doing something wrong. God, I pray that you would encourage our hearts and strengthen our faith. To understand that the path to you is hard. And that we will have a lot of hardships. A lot of pain. A lot of difficulties. And a lot of resistance. So Lord, please fill our hearts with that knowledge. And encourage us to know that that doesn't mean that anything has gone wrong. And Lord, we pray for your forgiveness for how many times we will turn away from you because things get hard. Lord, we pray that we would not turn to our idols of wealth and career and possessions and money and stuff. But to continue to see those things as worthless. And to understand always that you are the all-satisfying God who provides these things for us. Thank you for how you have provided for us in this life. And Lord, help us to be strong in our faith so that no matter what happens, no matter how hard it gets, that we will never lose sight of you or walk away from you. And Lord, we have so many here who 
go through so many hardships on a regular basis, so many who have lost so much because of their faith in you, and we pray that you would encourage and strengthen them at this time. And strengthen all of us to prepare for whatever lies ahead. And help us to see always, Lord, that no matter how difficult it is, that you are more valuable than any comfort and that you are worth any suffering and any pain. Lord, thank you for your servant Paul and your servant Barnabas and the amazing example of their dedication to you. God, I pray that you'd give us hearts like theirs, that even if we were to experience what they experienced, we would never give up on you, but to continue the mission of teaching the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Through many hardships, we enter the kingdom of God. I sure wish that text said it is through hammocks, birthday cake, and pillows we will enter the kingdom of God, that it would just be easy. It's not. But friends, God's always telling us it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Your sacrifice is worth it. Your hardships are worth it. Your faith is worth it. Do not give up. We encourage you to come to Jesus this morning, that you turn away from your sins. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins and follow him faithfully to walk this path. It is a narrow path. It is a difficult path, but it is worth the walk for eternity with God, with the blessings that lay ahead of us. And what a joy it will be to be with him and to be together in those days to come. Can we help you in any way? Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?